to everybody and their neighbors. This is Jet. And you are listening to Gear and Gigs. Today in the studio, Trey Hawkins. That's right, Trey Hawkins. Recording artist, touring artist, endorser, endorsee. I'm not sure how the proper vernacular goes on that, but he is a, a proud member of the uh, guitar retail community as well. He is just such an all-around Renaissance music sort of dude. It's we're, we're very proud to have him here. Trey, say hi to the fine people. Hey, you guys. Hey, we're going to start off the day with, uh, with a nice bottle of wine, as I always do. This is the Layer Cake Primitivo uh, Vintage uh, 2015 today. As the conversation loosens up, you will understand the cause. So today, we are going to be talking about an interesting topic, one that I think is uh, probably on a lot of people's minds these days, kind of really been banging around in my life recently, kind of came in unbidden. And Well, I'll let the story develop as we talk more about it, but the topic is guitars that are made in a non-standard construction method. I, I think we'll probably have to narrow that down, so if we're going to get more specific, I guess we'd say non-wood guitars as, as today's opening topic. How's that sound, Trey? Yeah, sounds good. So non-wood guitars, uh, you know, the, they they go back further than you think. Trey was telling me a little bit about it. Why don't you, why don't you tell them? So uh, I just kind of dove down this rabbit hole earlier today, and, and I, I found that I knew pretty much the general gist of the story uh, before I really dug into it. But uh, guitars have been made with materials other than just standard wood, you know, slab or pancake bodies for, I mean, forever. Um, the earliest records that I found of a, of a non-wood construction guitar uh, were actually the resonators, which, you know, kind of wanted to focus on the stuff that has a, you know, we can kind of trace the lineage and the genealogy of it to uh, guitars that are being made today. But that was, you know, it was the first amplified guitar because the resonator, and it was also, uh, from what I can tell, um, the, the first... Uh, non-wood guitar uh, as well that was common practice and uh, you know people nowadays seem to have a problem with anything that's not super traditional super standard like an older body strat but you go looking at resonators and and to see an all-metal resonator is not a not a super weird thing uh, but if we're talking about the traditional electric guitar, one of the earliest ones I found was uh, Dan Electro, tracing all of the designs for those back to uh, the mid-1940s. Sure, sure. Uh, and everything kind of, you know, went off of that because, you know, it, all it took was a couple of people saying, well, you know, it's just wood with electronics in it. How much can that really affect things, which I want to talk about later. But finding, you know, interesting or cheaper or just different ways to make a guitar over the years, I found that engineering both helps and hurts the development and the genealogy of a lot of guitars. But in this case, I, I think that it really kind of helped because it, it opened the door for, well, is wood really the best way to do this? I I mean, we think so. You know, we talk about tone woods and resonation and and mass and how that affects the sustain and, and all this different stuff. But really, there's a couple of manufacturers out there even today that are kind of challenging that assumption that it it has to be wood. I think everybody agrees that what it's made of affects the sound, but whether or not it's a, uh, a drastic difference, if it's wooden or not, I think is, is kind of up for debate. Well, it seems to me that if you look back at the original days, like right after the resonator period and the banjos and stuff, because I think resonators 
in my mind, they were always kind of an extension of the banjo mentality, you know. Right. And when the war came in, that, of course, kind of, you know, changed a lot of that whole situation with those kind of guitars because the metal was more important to the war and effort. But in general, going back through history, wood's been plentiful, wood's available, wood's easy to work with, and the methods of gluing it together, nailing it together, whatever, have been kind of proven over so many centuries that I think that became the prevalent thing for a lot of stuff. We still build houses out of wood mostly, right? right? I mean, we don't see fiberglass houses or steel houses typically, although they did bat that around a little bit in the 60s, actually. But I think that in general, we're, we're looking at wood as the main thing because it has been so cheap and plentiful and easy to work with. And as newer materials change that and newer working tools change that I think that we can start looking at different materials with a little bit more legitimacy than just basing everything on this is historically what we've done because you know we're not riding around in buggies whipping horses we're you know looking at electric cars so you know we're moving forward and I don't think we should be afraid to necessarily do that with instruments I like a great vintage Strat or Les Paul as much as the next guy but it also doesn't mean that I won't look at something that's that's a different material and, you know, you, you mentioned the resonators in, back in the 40s or 30s, whenever that was. I, wasn't Django playing a plastic guitar? Was it a Macaferry or something along those lines? Yeah. I'm probably getting the name wrong, but some kind of a plastic instrument that if you listen to the sound of it, sounds great. And unless somebody told you it was plastic, you would just enjoy it as a guitar and maybe think, oh, it's a classical. Right. But you're not thinking about it. So I don't think we should dismiss different materials. I think you should think about it in the terms of if you heard it in a song, how would you judge it? Right, you know, And if you can't tell, you can't tell. If somebody's playing a violin and it's made out of fiberglass or it's made out of wood, do you think about it as a guitar player or bass player? Do you think about that violin and go, oh, that's not real? Or do you just go, that's a violin? Yeah. And, you know, you may say that's an electric violin as opposed to a mic'd up violin. But once again, is it a wood violin? I don't think you can probably tell. A violin player can probably clearly tell and go, that's a, you know, that's a plastic one and it's not ebony from 1938 like mine is. But right. But I think that the regular Joe doesn't care that much. So I think we should be more open to it in general because it may offer other benefits like tuning stability or ease of reproduction in case of a mold or something like that or other things. I mean, you know, there's other things that, that have benefits to alternate materials, different sounds. Obviously, right. resonator sounds quite a bit different, not just because of the resonator part, but because of its construction. So, Well, and I think it's interesting, too, to go back to what you said earlier about the fact that we were using wood because that was what was freely available. Well, now, you know, with we're looking at all the different regulations and shortages of, you know, deforestation and everything. Um, so, you know, we had the big, you know, kind of rosewood scare with all the CITES treaty and every, everybody was looking at different types of woods. And if it was in the rosewood genealogy, then manufacturers like Ibanez had to kind of Renavigate the use of babinga and and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, now it's the advent of paduk and and all right. these other weird and, woods and, we've never heard of. And everybody's gone to uh, I say everybody. Uh, Fender Fender's gone to uh, Powafero for Pau most Faro, of their. That's the other one. Uh, but it's you know it, it's interesting too because I have a, a really good friend that's a guitar tech that likes to occasionally build and so he's a luthier I guess and you know it's toxic to work with but it's oh. more freely available than rosewood right. and it has similar tonal characteristics a little more orange than than rosewood uh, and you can get some cuts that are really just kind of you know texas longhorn ut hook'em horns orange versus um we're based here in dallas by the way everybody just letting just letting you know why yeah. is why he mentioned that uh waterburger orange uh the <laughs> Powell Farrell boards, uh, you know, 
but you know everybody's moving to these different things simply because you know restrictions or, or regulations or shortages and it may not always be the better of the options uh, that we kind of gravitate towards but you know if we were going to wood before because it was what we needed to and now you know we're seeing shortages so we're going to other things right it, you know yeah. what's to say that we don't find that maybe we've been you know, not making a guitar to its optimum potential until we switch away from wood. Like wood was kind of a springboard for, oh, this is how it works. This is how we understand it. But now, I mean, cars used to be made out of wood. Right. The first cars, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, right? Made out of wood. Which then guitar players aren't by any stretch of the imagination resistant to change in any way. (laughs) Um, Well, they are traditional folk in some respects. And yet in some ways they're always looking for the next greatest thing. And we should always keep in mind as, as, as guitar players, I think somebody along the lines of, Jimi Hendrix, which I think everybody pretty much agrees we, we can hold in reverence one way or another. Whether you like his playing, certainly he was innovative. Right. And one of the things he was innovative in was the use of effects. And the newest effects was always what he had on his board. And he always had somebody working on some new effect that hadn't even been invented yet, so he could use it on a record. So who knows what he would be using, but he certainly wouldn't be shying away right. from non-traditional guitars. So we should all keep in mind, and, and I think, you know, if, if you're still listening, you've got an open mind about non-traditional guitars. So kudos to you for sticking around. I'm raising my glass of, uh, of Layer Cake Primitivo, which is, by the way, pretty good. The history goes pretty heavy um, away from the 40s through to the 60s, you know, when, the, when they started getting into the Dan Electros and the plasticky right. stuff that looked like kitchen kitchen counters. Fiberglass and right. uh, acrylic and formica. And, and the Italian guitars started making an impact in that same way. I think, I don't know if they were influenced by or if they were the influence, but we saw, saw a lot of those kind of guitars coming over that were plastic. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that was kind of the, you have everything in the... In the 60s, pretty much, is, is when everybody really wanted to to kind of explore. That's the age of plastic, right? The yeah. 60s. Uh, so, you know, go from like 62 to uh, 68, if you wanted to bookend kind of where things were at their, their peak for things. And then for a long time, they kind of just went away. They did. Uh, you had the, the Steinberger, the... The graphite guitars in the you know late seventies early eighties. Well, the airlines. I remember Eddie was remember and the airlines to play the Eddie. That was a plastic one with that fifties or sixties. That'd be those sixties. Yeah, sixties. Yeah, uh, right, had all the switches. Which cool. and, and that's cool too because they kind of like the old ones will bounce back. You know, Jimmy Page played a Dan Electro, and then you'll see you know a twenty eighteen country guy playing a Dan Electro baritone six string that's essentially the same design as it was in the sixties. Jack White's playing an airline guitar that. When it came out, somebody bought it at Sears or something, and he's recording an album, or, or if nothing else, making a statement with a guitar like that. And there's really no update to it. Right. But then you have things like the Steinberger that haven't realistically changed since they were super modern and new, having that big gap from the 60s to the, the 80s, basically. And that's really the 80s when it exploded with the carbon fiber thing. Right. That's when that took over from plastic and became the uh, material of the day, right? So you saw your Steinbergers, your uh, Modulus. Uh, Parker was... Parker. Well, Parker was a little later, That was later, a little later, right? That was, well, it was late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. That was very different because they were going for a lot of different things then. It wasn't just the construction as the difference. Like Steinberger, the real difference is construction and it's headless. Right. It wasn't just the construction. Right, I mean, that's right. a humongous difference to accept. It's not just... Like a rain song acoustic today, which is it looks like an acoustic, plays like an acoustic, right. and you don't have to learn anything new other than you don't have to worry about it if it's ironically raining. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, that's that's how things have been, though, is that it's either super, super traditional and you really couldn't tell that it isn't wood or it's very obviously something different and new, like the Steinbergers or the... Uh, the Parkers. The Parkers. Uh, well, there was some hybrids, too, like the Kramers in the 70s, right? With the... with the uh, Right. And the Travis Beans that had the aluminum neck, mm-hmm. which is a non-traditional way of doing it. Right. It was only a portion of it, but a pretty significant portion. And trying to accomplish the same things that the carbon fiber things or some right. of the same things that the carbon fiber ones are trying to accomplish today, which is neck stability, and, right. you know, and... and um, I'm trying to think of it as not susceptible to the weather. I'm trying to right, think of a better right. way to say that. Well, Insusceptibility like in, to weather. And uh, Stanley Jordan used those, the aluminum necks, for all his tapping stuff because you get a super flat radius on it in a way that uh, you couldn't with wood, at least at that point. Interesting. Um, okay. Okay. And uh, those are obviously not around anymore, but you still have like electrical guitar company that's making the entire thing out of metal. Uh, but the basic principle from what i can tell is is starting kind of with that aluminum neck and then building metal bodies to go with it oh and i did think of another guitar that you just saying that made me think of um american shoster oh it had been uh i'm thinking early 80s american shoster they made guitars out of cadillac fins Oh, yeah. I've right. seen them before. I didn't know that's what they're called. Yeah, uh, the American Shoulders. And so that's, you know, that's a metal guitar, right? It's, right. It's got a wooden neck, once again, it's the hybrid the other way, mm-hmm. but a very wooden guitar, or metal guitar and hollow, right? I mean, right. I don't think they put anything in those. I think they were hollow. Mm-hmm. So un, sort of similar to the True Sarge you see today. Right. You know, only, you know, they lit up because they had the taillight on there. Right. <laughs> And that's really, as guitar players, what we want. We just want the light we to light up on the guitar. The light, man, just give me the damn light. You know, guitars are only interesting because they're cool. That's why Flying V's, whether you, whether you play one or not, you always like them. Right. You know, if you're going to get a guitar tattoo, you always consider Flying V. Ooh. You know, even if you don't play one, you're like, oh, but that's the one that looks so cool. Lenny Kravitz comes out playing a Flying V. You're like, oh, man, I'm going to listen because it's a Flying V. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that, and that kind of, you know... That period was, I mean, the period of exploration, because what, those are 60s. Flying V was 50s. Was, was 58, 50s. 58, if I'm not mistaken, Flying V, Explorer, and the future, or modern. Modern. So then those were kind of, you know, the, the box had already been kind of pushed open. The door was kind of ajar for doing some different interesting things with guitars, and then... But ironically, the same time that that Cadillac fin in 57 was being manufactured. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah, and it was all part of that whole phase. But that went into the 60s, and then they started getting into the... They started getting the plastics, and they could start doing weird flowy shapes because right. they could do molds. Mm-hmm. And uh, you saw a lot more beveling, and you saw a lot more um, uh, ridges around edges right. and that kind of thing. And then they started messing with electronics because routing wasn't was not a to-do because now you're molding everything right? right so now we can put in 18 pickups because it you know it's so much easier to put them in right and i think that's when you started getting more switches and all that experimentation and right. as you say that's the period of experimentation sure. or exploration i believe you said but but it's yeah so i mean you know everything kind of comes to a head you know in the the 80s and then again uh everything goes back you know in the 90s you kind of have everybody polarized it's either you know give me a vintage strat or I guess in the 90s it would have been, you know, give me a vintage Jazzmaster or Jaguar, or give me a Parker, give me right. something super weird, or, hey, this is super weird, but, you know, it's from the early 60s. Right. 
Uh, something unique, something different, something yeah. nobody's seen, or something you don't regularly see. Yeah. So yeah. that so that you know so the '90s goes. Okay, you can have one, but you can't have the other. Everything right. has to be kind of polarized and and uh, and be separate. But they're really trying to get the same kind of. So Steve is going to do a monkey handle. Right. Right. And flowers up and down the neck, and yeah, yeah, a yeah, whole different level of experimentation right. there. The swirl paint jobs, right. and, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, so you know, '90s, and then that brings us to 2000s into now. I guess I mean we're almost done with that decade, but the advent of guitars kind of taking that polarization and blending together and you have guitars that are made you know with non-traditional components and things but they look even more traditional i think than some of the the old like crazy airline designs i agree i think i think the start of that was probably when it started to go mainstream, I think, is when they started putting like carbon fiber rods in the necks for the truss rods, right? Because right. now all of a sudden we're going, oh, well, that's a good material. We're just, we're going to use it and not make a big to-do of it. And once I think the luthiers and the manufacturers started to accept the material and have vendors and suppliers right. set up for it, right? So now we're back to that ease of access. It's easy to get. And now they're used to working with it somewhat. I think some of that trepidation probably, and this is, you know, I'm guessing, but right. I think some of that trepidation went away and they went, oh, let's try this to do some more. Stuff. And still, to this day, you don't see a lot of people doing it. But the people that are doing it are making real strides into areas that I didn't necessarily see. Right. And, I, and if you base your assumptions on today's instruments um, around what you experience with things like an original Parker or a Steinberger, bless their hearts, or a Modulus, or all those things, which are all fine instruments and do great things the way they do them, but they don't sound like today's carbon fiber instruments and steel right. instruments and those kind of thing. So, you know, it, if you haven't checked them out, you need to because they're very different. And let's talk about some of the ones that are available today, if, if we can. Yeah, yeah. We, no, I, I'm I, jumping over a part of history we should still address. No, no, I, I definitely, uh, I think that that pretty much brought us up to where we're at now. And this whole endeavor and rabbit hole for me started with Aristides guitars. Mm, me too. I had played Dan Electros before and, and didn't necessarily now, like... Pardon me, I hate to interrupt, but do, when you say the Dan Electro, are you talking about the clear Lucite ones or are you talking about the plastic one? No, 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 the, the plastic and the, and the uh, oh, what do they call it? Uh, There'll be a small musical interlude uh, while he remembers the name. Masonite. Masonite. And Formica. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Have you ever played one of the Lucite ones, one of the, you know, the original Dan Electros from the 60s, one of the clear ones? Yeah. Because those have got a very unique sound. Right. You know, sliding pickup notwithstanding. Sure. No pun intended. No? Sliding pickup. Yeah, they have. A, there's several models that actually have a sliding, like a humbucker sliding pickup that you can move around. Oh, that's yeah, cool. very interesting, yeah. Yeah. And the basses actually are pretty cool, as you might imagine, because it gets, you know, some really nice sustain. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, so, you know, I'd, I'd played those before. Uh, can but I, I, Can I mention an aside about the clear instruments? Sure. So, I... I there's a video out of uh, Get Lucky, right, where they're all playing clear instruments, and, uh -huh. and it looks really cool in the video because of the lighting and everything. Right. Years ago, I played in a band where we did that, that I was the drummer in that band. I had a completely clear drum set, not the cymbals, obviously, but everything else. A clear bass for the bass player and a clear Strat-looking thing for the guitar player. We thought we were great. We went up on a stage. It was all black background, and we were in kind of bright clothing. And basically what you see is... One guy sitting down and two guys standing there in kind of bright clothing against a black background, <laughs> like air drumming and playing. For if you were more than fifteen feet away, that's what you saw. And all the pictures are so unexciting. They're just so. <laughs> we thought it was going to look so cool. The lights are going to reflect off of them, and you'll be like, "Oh, so impacted with how clear." It's like they're just clear. 
Like Blue Man Group. <laughs> it was terrible. Anyway, that didn't uh, that didn't last. That concept no. did not pan out. Where's a <laughs> backing up could be a real bitch too. <laughs> Where's my base? I can't find it. Anyway, you were saying. Uh, oh, here oh. it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Sorry. Uh, so I mean, he was trying to pick out colored strings for the bass to see if he could get it to stand out. <laughs> I'm like, great, disembodied neon strings. That's awesome, dude. Anyway, so the sorry, the no, 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 it's fine. Hey, but you know what? Those were non-traditional material instruments, all of them, for that matter. No wood was harmed in the making of that stage show. That being said, I have recordings of that. It sounds just mostly like our other shows. It really right. didn't sound that much different. The drums sounded more focused, right. you know, a little bit more focused, you know. Um, right. But the guitars, honestly, you'd have to know. I feel, yeah, I feel like you maybe have like a little bit of a quicker attack. Well, they're different, just with, like any guitar is different, yeah. but it wasn't, yeah, it was like that. It was like a little bit more focused, not so broad, not quite so open, but usable yeah. and especially because the other instruments had that too so it created a real i mean on stage it was actually really nice it was real focused sound and everything right and it looked like it had all kinds of stage room because there was no instruments taking up anything visually so it looked like he had all this stage it was great yeah and well, had clear heads too so it was like you know he had, had to have faith right well that's i mean don't turn off the lights oh crap <laughs> and they're gone <laughs> But that's, I mean, that, you know, that concept of, you know, it pretty much being the same thing and maybe in a blind test you wouldn't know, like that's, that was what kind of hooked me on the Aristides, the Aristides stuff that I, in a, in a way that any of the others that I'd played over the years didn't really, cause it wasn't. Steinberger sound different. Yeah. Parker sound different and they're not bad. Yeah. They're not bad. I mean, you listen to the Journey album, uh, Escape, right? Oops, right. sorry. You learn to listen to Escape and what's his name? Ross Valerie yeah. on the bass on that Steinberger. That is a tone that to this day, I've never heard that tone and it's a great tone and it's like one of the first times in, in pop where the bass became like this real dominant thing that you mm -hmm. literally listen to as not just a support instrument other than you know somebody like a getty or somebody like doing that but you know as far as like a regular pop band you don't think about sticks bass player and what he's playing generally bless his heart you don't think about reo speedwagon's bass playing generally they're very supportive they fit the, the band but you don't think about it and in journey you typically didn't but on that album for some reason they got this tone and i've always attributed it to that steinberger having that focus thing right because they had a real keyboard heavy vocal heavy guitar chorusy heavy processed reverb heavy mm -hmm. sound and so here comes this bass, and and Steve Smith's drums are not particularly heavy, right? He's got a you know, he's a jazz drummer turned rock guy, right? So he he's he's got a nice sound, but it's not heavy. The commanding thing on that album, and I think what drove that and the next album was was Ross Valerie's tone. Right. It was so focused, it's so powerful, and so uh, there's benefits to that, I think definitely. But the Aristides sound to me like guitars, but slightly enhanced in certain ways i don't say better because it might not be your bag right for me i like several things i like the way they vibrate against my body which right. sounds way dirtier than i meant it i hold it like a regular guitar I promise <laughs> so i straddle it and what i do here is yeah. play your i tune it down to like a g flat and i <laughs> get out my bow and i slide like a jimmy page thing Turn off the lights. No, I'm sorry. I kind of lost myself there. That's the wine. See, I, I yeah. warned you about that at the beginning of the show, and it's moments like that that remind me why I do that. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the Aristides has got a, a focused attack, but it's not closed. It's not too focused. It's not too thin. It doesn't have an artificial 
artificial sound to it. No. It's got an open sound, but it's got a real instant thing going on when you hit it. And I like the vibrations of it. I, it feels pleasant. It uh, Acoustically, if you just leave it unplugged, it's just so loud. Well, and that's, you know, I kind of will test a guitar because I've played guitars that I loved and then I would plug it in and couldn't figure out why the way it played didn't translate to the way it sounded. And so I've kind of started to test guitars that way where I'll play them just acoustically and dig in and see if it chokes out or see if it has that natural kind of resonance that you want. And there have been guitars that I've had that I wanted to love so bad, but they just, they choke out or something about it is just not marrying correctly and they don't have that good natural big sound. Uh, And I could have two of the same guitars and they would be different because, you know, wood is going to be different, different cuts and different things. And with every Aristides that I've played, it's been the same. Other than the pickups. Other than, yeah, yeah, other than other the pickups, the but the, the, the way it feels, right. the way it resonates, you know, and there's definitely, you know, a downside to that because it does remove some of the individuality from the instrument as there's a, no magic as right? a you can't find the magic Aristides because essentially they're all the same right and they're all magical and that's you know it's <laughs> kind of like if, if uh that. you know if we're happy all the time are we really going to appreciate how happiness really is i think of them as like if you were young and you were imagining the future you know way in the future someday you know star trek right or right. whatever star trek someday they'll, they'll be playing guitars and they'll have by then worked it out Right. For God's sakes, they'll have worked it out and they'll know what the right one is and they'll all be playing it. Right. Well, when do we decide when that is? <laughs> when does that, do we get a notification? Is there like a memo that goes around? Maybe, maybe it's just going to take something like that that's infinitely repeatable. I mean, right. you know, Strat's great. Atelier's great. Sometimes, you know, yours maybe is, maybe mine isn't so great. Right. And for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure, one of our Atelier's is not as good as the other. Dang it. You know, right. and and maybe one's just different, and we'll walk away thinking it's different. But you know, if we had to pick, we would each probably pick the same one in general because there's just kind of like this general. That mm, feels better. Sounds better. Okay, it's a better one. Right. So, in the same way, that's the nice thing about Aristides is, is, and other things like that is it's so repeatable. I mean, for those that don't know, an Aristides guitar is made in Holland, uh, I believe, uh, Amsterdam, right? Yes. Yeah, Amsterdam, and. Uh, they're, they use a, essentially a, a carbon fiber, or a, a, maybe it's a mix of other things besides carbon fiber. It's, sure. a, it's called. It's a, it's something that they actually had been R and Ding since '95. Well, that's the interior stuff. The exterior uh-huh. stuff is is this. As far as I know, is this carbon fibery stuff that they do as a clamshell. Then they sure they, the, they the, shut the, it the arium is what the I was arium yeah. right. That's that's the gel like stuff that they inject essentially after they've created a a mold for the right. thing out of the guitar body. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 15 years with uh, um, a university, right? They yeah. worked with the university to develop this stuff. And I guess it has to do with the fact that um, they were trying to duplicate the resonant qualities of wood. Right. And wood, uh, being uh, having long cells, tends to vibrate longitudinally. <laughs> we're going to go with that. Sure. And it doesn't tend to vibrate a lot side to side. Um, they wanted something that would do both, so they created this resin material that has microscopic glass beads and air pockets and mm. other things that managed to, along with the guitar's construction, create a resonance that not only mimics wood, but in some ways can exceed its capabilities and do things that, like for instance, it vibrates in three dimensions, which means that feeling that I feel against my body when I play it, or in my fingers, is an artifact of that area, I think. And in fact, having played other carbon fiber guitars, I would pretty much have to say it is. Which, and, and that's, 
you know, I, I at work, I, I work at a guitar shop uh, on the weekdays, and I would say the biggest question that I always get asked when I'm talking about something, I mean, we're a, a boutique shop, high-end shop here in uh, uh, adjacent to Dallas and McKinney. Um, so a lot of the stuff we have is really expensive and people always ask like, oh, well, what, what is make, what makes this strat, you know, that much more, or, you know, is the hand wired version of the amp really that much right, better? Which is a totally legit question. Yeah. And it is. And sometimes the answer is, you know, yeah, sure. Sometimes the answer is, oh, not really. Like some of it is a peace of mind kind of thing. You know, you're, you're almost Bragging like hedging rights. your bets and. Well, even just that, that you, you know, if it's hand wired, that means one person took the time to do everything versus a computer. And there's a, oh, you know, okay. an intangible okay. factor to it sure. that you may not, may or may not hear, but it feels better to use in, intrinsically. You know, it sometimes that's worth the price difference and sometimes it's not. I feel like the Aristides difference, the reason why they are so expensive and, and custom and everything. And I feel like that is absolutely one of the things that is worth the hype and the price and everything because I mean I the one that you have the let's say uh the blue marble mm-hmm. with the bare knuckle pickups and it's just a five-way selector switch I've gotten more out of that guitar as a single guitar than anything else and it's not like you split the coils and kind of passable you can make it work for a live show like no I would record with this as a single coil tone and then go you know and do you know, a full rhythm track with it on the on the back humbucker, do the lead somewhere in between. Like it, it would do everything that I need it to. And it sounds legit in the, in the different position. And, and legitimately be uh, a unique, good sounding, full sounding version of the instrument. And you know, bare knuckle pickups are great, but the other Aristides that I played or that you have, I can do that with too. They just have a different voicing to those. You know. I think it's been fairly established now that that what a guitar is is uh, the guitar body in the neck typically is a filter, right? It's taking away sound, and what you have left is what the pickups will give you right. a, an interpretation of, depending on the windings and whatnot, and then your amp. And there's right. God, there's so many factors. It's surprising we can talk about any aspect of it with any meaning because you really have to be very scientific about how you talk about it and how you think about it because right. one minor change down the road, including just a tweak on a bass knob, could mean that your comparison's no longer valid. So everybody right. keep that in mind as we talk about this. And it's all just opinions, of course. Every every possible musical expression, tone, and, and note at any given time is legit and valid, and I may cringe, but you may love it, and that's what makes the world go round. So we all agree that that's cool. So that being said, I think that the Aristides stays out of the way of the pickups yes. and the strings. So if you pick the right strings and you play well or whatever and and you have electronics that sound good, what you're going to get is a good sound because nowadays the electronics are designed to sound good. So if you don't have a guitar that's taken away your sustain or giving you dead notes or pulling out 400 so now you sound thin or, or giving you too much 1.2 and now you sound all kind of mid-rangey or hunky or whatever. It's like the guitar is neutral. You finally have kind of a neutral platform to have, or at least a consistent, if nothing right. else, consistent and less subtractive, right. less filtery system to, to now experiment with electronics and strings and things that really matter to your tone and how you play. And I think that's that's kind of the nice thing. I mean, a buddy came over to the studio, and we're, we're here, by the way, in Unearthly Sound Recording Studios in Dallas, and uh, a buddy came over the other day to the studio, and he brought his Aristides, and I picked it up, and it was immediately... I, 
you know, I was at home. <laughs> I was, it was like, oh, yeah, I don't have to think about the interface now. I can just enjoy his pickups. And he ended up having to have a slanted model, so I can enjoy the slanted aspect of it. But the interface was essentially the same. The neck shape was the same. The, the action I knew was going to be low because right. uh, you can choose to have a high action, but you can but get why would you know, you? unconsciously low if you wanted to get there. Because they're 17-inch radius? 20 inch radius? Oh, uh, boy, so, you know, like way you flat. I know that. I don't know. <laughs> it's fairly flat. It might be a compound. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a compound. Right. But it's fairly flat. The stainless steel frets, it's very smooth. Um, they do everything, though. You know, they got the, uh, the what are those, uh, lumen lays? They yep. got the lumen lays. They kind of just like, let's just have a modern damn guitar once and for all and stop messing around. It's a nice shape. It's an, it's not too aggressive. It's not in any way unaggressive. It's a thin body, which is nice, but it's not too thin. It's not super lightweight. I, you know, I wouldn't mind a little lighter weight, but you know, yeah. that's just me, but it's not heavy in any way. It's if you picked it up and that was a strat, you go, Oh, it's a lightweight strat. It's right. a nice balance. Um, there's nothing really not to like about them. The only thing actually, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to nitpick, there, Pascal, if I'm going to nitpick, uh, the only thing I would suggest is the, the the very edges of the fretboard are a little sharp for me. And I think right. that's a, 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 a manufacturing thing that could be corrected. A little roll will never hurt. But you can get that done after the fact. Well, and I've it's noticed rich light. that it does go down. Some of the... Uh, it sands real nice. Some of the custom guitar makers are still kind of doing that. I don't know if it's a stylistic choice, but I've well, noticed on you, a couple of Sir like guitars, guitars too. like a micrometer more, right? Technically, if you don't sand it, you get a little bit more space yeah. to finger, but... I don't know. For me, a little roll wouldn't. wouldn't I, yeah, I like a little be, bit yeah. of little roll. But I do it after the fact, and it's fine. So, it, really, I, it's, as I said, it's nitpicking because I love the guitars. I'm sitting here looking right now at an 050 bass, and it's just be- it's not mine. It's beautiful though, and uh, they just have really done a nice job with it. But let's talk about some other manufacturers because we're heaping so much praise on these guys. Yes, yes, absolutely. Much as I love uh, Aristides, and I do. The the only other thing that I would add about them that I think is important is because the guitar gets out of the way of the pickups, it allows it to be whatever kind of guitar you want it to be. If you want it to be a modern shred guitar, Jazz. it's perfect. Yeah, you can, if you, you want it to be a, a, a traditional Strat, you can do that. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I would like to see more shapes. Being a, an offset Jazzmaster uh, sure, guy, sure, sure. that would be uh, super neat. I imagine it would kind of be like the Fender Aerodyne series oh, sure. a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. but uh, I can dream. I can, see it. Yeah, I can yeah. dream. And you know, we've said Aristides 15 times, which by the way, the word of the day is Aristides, apparently. I, I hope it's not Aristides or <laughs> or Aristides, Aristides or some, it probably is. Like, probably like that episode of, uh, episode of The Office when uh, Saber buys the company. Sabre. they got the whole yes, song. The whole song, everything Arrange ready, and, ju- and they're just muscling through <laughs> let, it. Let me and get the video for the, yeah, for the company and, website. And that's what we're doing right now is we are muscling through this. So even if With we're Aristides, wrong, we're going to seem like we know wrong. what we're I doing. Think we've totally butchered. You know, we, we have a friend... <laughs> whom, whom we call, call Carlos. And today he told us that he really doesn't think of himself as a Carlos at all. He thinks of himself as... Carlos. See, and I really feel bad that we've been calling him Carlos all this time. So now i got to figure out a way to say this thing that I can't say with a rolled R. And because enunciation is your identity, evidently. Apparently. Yeah, right, right. So I, I asked him if I could call him Carl, but it, it, that didn't seem to fly. So so I'm going to work on my pronunciation of that. And, and, and the folks at Aristides, 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 God, there's a lot of ways you could pronounce that. I'm so sorry. I apologize in advance, in advance, in advance. Let's say we love your guitars, but we don't know how to say the name. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry. Aristides. It's probably Aristides. Aristides. No. I, well, I shouldn't say no. It might be. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there Pascal goes the... Pascal is, uh, is the owner and designer, so... He's the uh, guy that will be suing yeah, me for yeah. defamation his name so. great uh, great human being we hope that his benevolence passes the on the nice thing to is us. when the judge says his name i'll go hey that's this <laughs> i knew it <laughs> i'm so sorry there goes the endorsement right yeah, out the window there it is. right um, so let's talk about a different company then that i once again i'm not sure i'm going to pronounce correctly uh, i heard it as ava okay cuz it could be ava ava or ave there was a it was a Canadian fellow that told me in uh, about the Portuguese guitar company about the did Portuguese it? guitar company. He told you, wait, he told you about it. About it. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like he has uh, a very hard time being wrong about anything. <laughs> See, well uh, then we Jamie, believe if him. you're listening, I we love you, Jamie. I, I love you and respect you. Uh, but uh, and I'm looking at a guitar from the uh, from that very boutique show where you talked to him about that. Yes, so we uh, we hosted the boutique guitar showcase at uh, the Guitar Sanctuary a uh, month ago, two oh months ago, uh, yes, maybe sure. somewhere in there. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the Ava guitar, which I originally thought was AVA, because I see it three letters on a guitar headstock, and I assume it's a uh, uh, an abbreviation of some kind. He thought his friend was Bob for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> he called me Jet for like six years. It's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know where to go after that. <laughs> uh, but uh, but saw that saw saw this Ava guitar and, and asked Jamie about it. And he's like, "Oh, it's an all carbon fiber guitar. Uh, the model essentially looks like a streamlined Les Paul ish ish. It's kind of like an Art Deco Les Paul. It's got a it's got it's what I like best about it is the beveled backs and stuff. But let's let's establish what it is for the folks. Yeah, it's yes. kind of a Les Paul looking thing, sort of. It's very Art Deco, but kind of Jetsons meets Art Deco. Would you yeah, say that? I agree. Okay. Futuristic. Yes. To the to the extreme, very simplistic, very uh, mm-hmm. very um, yeah, less of you know less of an, a, a visual affront than the Aristides. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, not trying hard. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, this particular one's got the Bigsby. It's called the Killer Queen. This particular model is called the Killer Queen. But it's, as, as Trey said, it's an all-carbon fiber instrument, but it's hollow. So it weighs, I think it weighs like five pounds or something. It weighs practically nothing. And in your hands, vibrates once again in a whole different way. It's actually considerably louder than even the Aristides. So if I was going to, oh, I'm sorry, we've got, a, we've, got some, we've got some dinging going on here. Messages coming in literally from the guy who owns the 050. <laughs> He's, he's going, what the hell are you talking about? You still got my bass, man. <laughs> That's where that is. My apologies. I thought I had that turned down. But, you know, in the modern world, that's just going to happen. So the Ava is uh, it's an all-carbon fiber. It's hollow. It's really lightweight. And it vibrates, as I said, in a way that feels very friendly and organic. I mean, that seems like a strange thing to say about a carbon fiber instrument. But right. it's so organic feeling in its vibration and... When you hit a note, once again, the immediacy is one of the things that grabs you. Carlos, I'm working on it, buddy, was in here earlier playing it, and it was the first time he'd played it, and he said immediately within like four or five notes, he's like, man, it just, the notes just jump out. He's like, they just, he couldn't believe how quick everything happened, and yet it still had the depth, and it wasn't thin, and, you know, he was was very impressed, and I, I think he went in... A little skeptical, although he does like Aristides, I think he was a little skeptical. Aristides, Aristides, I don't know. 
he was went in a little skeptical and he came out going, wow, I really like that as well. I really think that's something, once again, magical. And it's like, how do they do magic out of something that can be easily, not easily, but consistently replicated? Right. It's astonishing to me. And, and as I see more and more of these kinds of instruments coming out, I keep being impressed, but not only with what they can do structurally, but what they can do aesthetically. I mean, the Aristides guitars are spectacular looking. I mean, right. their finishes, and, and I know they spent a lot of time working on their finishes because they knew that they were going to have to combat natural reticence. Maybe the word of the day is reticence. I do like that word. Yeah, let's use reticence. The word of the day is reticence. Okay. Uh, Today's week brought to you by <laughs> reticence. <laughs> Wait, that's... <laughs> Spell that. Today's week would have been brought to you by reticence, but... Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. I, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Your word of the day in action, people. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, as we're talking, we, we kind of were like, you know, looking at the microphone, but then also looking at the guitar that we're talking about. That's true. Because it, it is. It's just, it's simplistic, but it's pretty. And it, it makes you want, I'm like, I, the I'm, I'm trying to stop myself from reaching over and just kind of picking it up and playing with it while we're talking. Uh, which would you know completely derail any form of conversation? But well, I'll tell you what might be interesting though. Let me let me do this. Hang on, I'm gonna take my headphones off for one second. I'm gonna walk across the room, and I'm gonna grab just a regular old guitar. This happens to be a Chapman Ghost Fret. Hey, Chappers, we love you. I do, especially. I don't want to speak for Trey, but I, I have I have great brotherly love for the Chappers. And if those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, well, shame on you and look it up. So this is a, a ghost fret, which is like an explorer sort of thing. And uh, it's a set neck or neck through, I can't tell. And uh, it's just a regular, regular electric guitar. And, and I'm, I'm going to sit in the same position here that I'm, that I'm sitting at speaking to the microphone. And I'm going to play an E chord. And that is, my, my friend Trey has, has detuned the last note, so it is no longer an E chord. So I'm going to eliminate that low E and try it again. Hey, there we go. That sounds much better. Okay. So that's how loud it is in the room. Now, uh, um, can you hand me the Ava? Yeah. So here's the Ava. Sitting in the same position, same E chord. I will once again eliminate the low E. And I'm not playing it any harder. But it's tremendously louder in the room. It's almost... I don't want to say it is, but it's almost acoustic guitar level. It's certainly loud enough to sit there and sing over or whatever right. to yourself. And in playing it in front of like the TV or something, it's almost too loud to right. sit there on the couch acoustically. Where, by the way, an Aristides, Aristides, Aristides uh, is a really good volume for that. Yes. And the sustain on, on either of these is really kind of amazing. This one feels a little bit more like a regular guitar in its sustain, right. interestingly, whereas the Aristides, Aristides. <laughs> Those guys, that one, man, it's almost like it's electric before you plug it in. Yeah. You know? Right. And um, Which is cool. Yeah. I, I, I think that's neat. And the action is just, man, you can get them so low. Mm -hmm. Wow. And to know that in six months from now, when the weather is completely different, I don't have to make any adjustments. I don't have to change anything in the truss rod. If it's raining outside during the gig, I don't care. I mean, right. I care from a. I might die from a shock, but I don't care from my guitar's going to change. Right. If it's cold, if it's hot, it don't matter. That's that's huge. I mean, I used to play in a band that 
in the Midwest, we'd play all year long, and man, the guitar player would just go crazy. It, you know, when the winter would hit and everything would go wonkers, and then right. he'd get it all set and just about everything was dialed in perfect. <laughs> now it's summer and everything's gone. Yep. And I was like, get two different guitars and so <laughs> that was too much for him, though. But bless his heart. Uh, he, he did a lot of, of adjusting that if he had had one of these, he wouldn't have had to. So that's kind of right. Cool. See, there we are again, just staring at it. I know. <laughs> it's pretty. It's got a certain. I think it's the back. The back angles are nice. You know the way they they cut away. Uh, yeah. It, it, if you, I mean, obviously you can't see what we're seeing, which is asinine that I would even bring that up. But uh, go on their website. Uh, it's. Uh, you just want an excuse to say asinine. <sighs> Just ass. Uh, but uh, go to uh, avaguitars.com and check these out. Um, they The back bevel is just, it, it makes it, we talked about this uh, a little bit ago, it makes it look like a two-dimensional... It does. It looks like a like a drawing come like to it, life. It belongs in a Stanley Kubrick film. It looks, yeah. Uh, not, but it's not scary, though. Not scary, just different and slightly off-putting and making you and your it plays tricks on your perspective which is really it does you think it's got to be thicker and then it just is and then you pick it up and you think oh my god i mean that's me hitting the back it's just a hollow guitar that was the door yeah no (laughs) so that that one in particular is nice i like the aristides very well the um there's other manufacturers like trussart you know i've i've played the trussarts um i've i've found them to be especially good for certain kinds of music as opposed to like the RSTs we talked about is good for everything I think right. the Trussarts excel in certain areas more than others what is your, what's been your experience you've had more experience I mean than I, have. I, I think that that yeah the Aristides and uh, Ava probably why they're our favorites are because they are a little more jack of all trades but my my other favorite which I'm, I'm hunting for one right now is a, a Dan Electro uh, 67 oh. Oh, um, because it just sounds cool. It's Those unique. Are plastic or fiberglass yes. or what? Uh, I believe that model's plastic okay. and, and hollow, kind of like the Aristides. Is this a reissue? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a, the. It was an early two thousands. It was called Dead on sixty seven, but it's their offset. You know, I said I, offsets are kind of my thing. So right. that's even in in this realm. That's kind of what I gravitate towards, and it's just two lipstick pickups is characteristic of a lot of their designs. Mm-hmm. But offset, big control plate, and everything. And I, I saw a guy play in Fort Worth a couple years ago uh, at this festival outside, and he was just playing that through a twin reverb, and it just had this because it was going through a Fender. It still felt traditional and fit the band. They were like a you know kind of indie folk mm-hmm, band, mm-hmm. but it was like a telly that I'd never heard before. Jangly, but with power. Yeah, like it was just, it was different and it was cool and I was playing on the neck pickup because I, I talked to him about it afterwards and I wish that I could remember the name of the band so I could find him right. to ask him about it. And Phantom plug installed more. here. <laughs> Somewhere that dude's listening going, oh, damn it. Man in search of guitar he saw one time. Missed connection. But it was just the coolest thing but it was but it was very unique and what i liked about it was you know completely contradictory to what i like about aristides aristides <laughs> aristide wanna dies um if you got one of those would you keep the pickups in it yes really yeah would you only use the neck pickup like that guy did or would you think you'd use them all it would depend on uh i i don't have are you joining that guy's band? are you trying to replace that guy I is am, what i'm asking <laughs> now he's he's like damn it well you know uh, 
You're I mean, gonna... I, I don't think I have a good shot considering I can't remember the name of the band. <laughs> it's going to be hard. But uh, it's, yeah, the, finding the audition place is going to be hard. <laughs> Figuring out who's giving me the audition is going to be much more paramount. Hi, I'm calling about the band. What's, uh, what's your last guitar player use? Nope, sorry. Nope, thanks, not bye. him. <laughs> Uses a Fender Telecaster? Get out of here. Get what are you doing? Why I order? Yeah, get out. You presume? <laughs> you presume to come at me do with not, a traditional guitar? Do not presume. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Entering the uh, geographic, multicultural aspect of the show. Well, you know, we like to touch on everybody. And, and there's a few restraining orders. Well, I don't like to touch on everybody. That's that's more of a you thing. But, well... Uh, uh, no, I, I think I would keep it stock as is and kind of treat it as this isolated incident of a guitar <laughs> of, hey, this sounds really good. And, you know, is that it, your favorite guitar? Yeah, I mean, it's, my isolated you know, incident. It, it's OK. Yeah. I, I it's like, like is, this, is this your girlfriend? She's kind of an isolated <laughs> incident. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Can I do that with? Never mind. No, no, no. Uh, so. I mean, I, I think that that was kind of the the allure of that particular guitar was that incident with that kind of tone and almost it being a, if I want to go outside of the box, this is what I grab for. But if I'm, you know, it probably wouldn't be a main guitar, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. So in that case, alternative, but really it isn't the alternative material of the plastic that's the problem. It's really the pickup that makes it a more selective choice as far as a limited and choice. Really, right? in in my case, it's the kind of music that I'm playing most of the time. It, right. You know, if I was playing music that that was perfect for, then it would be a main guitar. Right. Like you know, if I had one, I would use that on every worship gig that I had. Right. Because it has that fat, big, single note tone to it that you know you can pick through things and and it has a lot of character. You'd have to gear your tone just for that. I mean, right. You couldn't plug in yeah, a strat exactly. after that and it would sound good. Right. Yeah. But things like that, you know, I played uh, a buddy's electrical guitar company, uh, aluminum neck guitar. Uh, wow, that is a mouthful. And it it was one of the most powerful sounding, you know, we were playing in a hardcore band together. It was crushingly heavy. So I'm sorry, Both electrical guitar companies, what was it? Uh, it was, I, I don't remember the uh, the name of the particular... But it was made out of what? ...model, but it was, uh, it was the, the aluminum neck, and I believe the body was actually either aluminum or steel of some kind hollow I, well, yes of course yeah. hollow. i mean but it was still it you know it a was a back, solid steel <laughs> it was a backbreaker like really? it, it was super super wow. heavy uh because the whole thing was was made of metal like right. the pickups from what i i remember were proprietary and they were just screaming hot and it was one of the best sounding recorded guitars for you know rhythm for that kind of music that i'd ever played the guitar player from a uh scene core band devil wars prada played one for a while i don't know if he actually recorded with it but he was playing live with one for music that those guitars don't look like if you've ever seen one they look a little more retro Hmm. but and especially you know being that the kind of 60s vibe of the uh, the aluminum necks or 70s vibe i guess you know looked super retro for the kind of music they were playing but yeah like all all the ones that i have had my hands on at one point I have liked for different reasons my favorite just happens to be the ones that I feel like could replace traditional wood guitars in my arsenal or collection or toolbox or what have you right and when really when you talk about the elephant in the room which is the the original theory of non-traditional guitar building is that if 
you built a guitar out of cement or granite or something that was essentially non-vibrating, immovable, and you strung strings on it and played it, what you get back is everything from the string because nothing's absorbed by the instrument because it, it, the strings don't have enough energy to make it vibrate. So everything you get back is from the strings, in which case you get the full unabridged guitar tone of which then you can apply electronics and filters and EQs and anything you want. You can tame it into anything you like, but at least you start with all the bandwidth, all the frequencies, all the dynamic range, everything. Obviously impractical to carry that around. This is why the theory of super heavy Les Pauls with brass nuts and brass this and brass that and let's add a fat finger to the to the headstock and you know what I mean, heavy, heavy, heavy. Yes, it did add sustain because it's not taking away from the strings because you reach a certain point where you've crossed the ability for the strings to affect it. Right. And now they can only vibrate on their own and they're going to give you what they give you. So I think what we've got here in the modern technology with these guitars is we've reached that point where we can get that functionality without the brack breaking weight and mass done that way. We do it with an immovable but very lightweight or essentially lightweight material that provides that same thing which is technically or or theoretically the magical guitar sound we've all been looking for which is give me everything and let me decide afterwards how i want it to sound right and i think that as we see guitars approaching more open things and amps that can handle the bigger dynamic range and people that are more open to experiencing a lot of different things all at once you know we, we're open to culture now from the 30s 40s 50s all the way through we don't care where it comes from nowadays if it's good it's good i think that that's going to kind of create a situation where in this iWatch wearing tesla driving world that these guitars now have an honest place and shouldn't be necessarily discounted right. or or even considered in a different light they're just a different guitar just like anything if a guitar is made of with a rosewood neck you don't think of it as drastically different than a maple neck right so why does it matter if it has a rich light neck right and i mean especially if you're if you're playing a guitar like i understand the issue the moral issue so to speak of a rich light fingerboard on a les paul custom you know tonally well a moral issue is kind of a tough thing because you could say well the green issue would be use rich light yeah which, which, and the, but I, I mean, and just in the sense of, I understand the, the guitarists, when, 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 when guitarists, you know, sure. it's an affront to a Gibson Les Paul sure. to have the rich light on. Loving I understand person. that. I, mean, I, I would too. I don't want rich light on a Les Paul, but they do it. But, or they did, maybe they're having, yeah, I think they've gone back. But having played them and looking at the science behind it, there's really no difference. If anything else, it's a more durable version since ebony is prone to cracking more. And you, I Improved guarantee you, again. you cannot tell the difference unless you have recorded both of them and you are looking at a wave format and going, yeah, there's a spike at this frequency, but honestly, that frequency isn't going to make your song better, isn't going to make you a better player. So that that argument of like, oh, the you know, rich light versus ebony, particular microcosm of this traditional versus modern thing, I just I don't. I can make more of a difference by taking out a screwdriver and doing a quarter turn on your pickup. Right. You know, so much more of a difference than Mm -hmm. the Rich Light Ebony would ever be. Or I can make more of a difference by pulling out your 10-foot cord and giving you a 20-foot cord. 
Right. And now it's a whole different thing. I can make more of a difference to how it feels to you by moving your amp five feet further away or changing to a different speaker cabinet or going over to your mid control and just moving in a quarter turn. And now it's a whole different thing. Right. And that's more significant to you as a player if you had your eyes closed than than the rich light. Right. And that's true about almost all this stuff. What it really comes down to is how does it feel under your fingers? If you like smooth and, and fast, rich light feels great. If you like it to feel rough and and more organic, if you want to say that, then the rosewood definitely feels yeah. better. But then you're also not a maple guy probably. Right. So once again, I don't think it's, I'm not going to say it's better. It's definitely viable. And just like a Tesla over a regular car, it's got a lot of, Pros, right? You know, in the pros and cons arguments, there's a lot of pros for it. You know, microwave cooking's got a lot of pros over traditional cooking. Is it everything all the time? No. Right. You know, I don't want my roast microwaved. I prefer that to be. You know, I don't want a pizza that's been microwaved if I can have it baked. Right. But by the same token, some things are way better microwaved, and they've just been designed for that. So I don't discount it. And if you're in a hurry, microwaved in five minutes is way better than an hour in the oven. Yeah. So. You know, everybody keep an open mind about this stuff and, you know, listen to this stuff. Listen to some of the stuff on YouTube's, uh, YouTube's, <laughs> YouTube. Um, on the YouTube's with Paul. The, YouTube. uh, the hard part, of course, with any of this stuff that we're talking about is that it's hard to find places that have this. You're not going to go find in the United States and in many countries a store that's got a selection of Aristides or Ava guitar. It's, it's not going to happen. So... You kind of got to go by people like us that have had a chance to play them, I guess, and and go to the boutique guitar show when it comes to it. To it, you know, if it comes within uh, 200 miles of your town, believe me, if you're a guitar player and you're interested in anything new or cool, it is so worth going because you know, out of the how many guitars were in the show? Fifty. Seventy. Uh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So out of those guitars. A fully 40 captivated me, you know, yeah. and I, I took so many pictures. It's ridiculous. And uh, and I think anybody that is interested in these kind of guitars is going to have to do a little bit of, of looking around to find them. Find used ones that show up occasionally at a guitar center. They do occasionally pop up, you know. Which And, and there's, there's Facebook groups, like there's a whole Facebook community of Aristides owners. That's true. Um, which I also, you know... Gosh, I, I feel like I'm just plugging this brand really, really hard. But they are one of the leaders they're, right they're, now. They're one of the leaders in this, in this particular is, arena. Is so just cool. Everybody knows everybody. All the the custom guitars, you know, you'll kind of follow them, and everybody knows who's got. You know, there's a Harry Potter one, and there's multiple Legend of Zelda ones, and you know, everybody just kind of follows all these guitars because they have I've a personality. I've talked to the Harry Potter guy, by the way. Yeah, I've talked See? to the the Zelda guy. <laughs> See? Um, and uh, you know, and Pascal uh, interacts and talks to people and, and gets feedback. That's the coolest. The only other uh, experience that I've had with that personally is like with the uh, the Balaguer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime that happens, I'm already going to be more of a fan than See, I, I was before. See, I've that with Marconi Lab. That's yeah. another really modern guitar company, but using wood, but man, not in traditional ways. Right. So that's another one you might want to look up. Aristides, uh, once again, one more plug for them just because I just love those guys so much. Um, they have two factory tours online on the on the on the YouTube's, and uh, that's the way we're going to say it from now on. Yep. I guess I guess, and uh, they're worth watching. One was kind of early in production, and one was uh, I think four or five years later, after they'd been up and running and made some changes. Really worth watching. I watched them both in their entirety. Great, co- you know, sit down with a cup of coffee and, and watch those with the guitar in my hand. Of course, you learn a lot about 
their ethos and their methods, but also you kind of kind of just pick up on their vibe, and it's cool. You know, they just seem like nice people, and I'm saying that because I don't want them to get mad about the way I pronounce <laughs> their name this whole time. No, no, they seem like very cool people, and uh, I would relish the chance to meet them. I think that uh, that what they've done is pretty unique because their guitars don't sound sterile. Their guitars don't sound artificial. If I played you a track that I'd recorded with one of their guitars or an Ava or any of these, even a true song, you would not think right away that's a non-traditional guitar. Oh, no. something's wonky with that. Oh, that doesn't sound right. You wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think any particular frequency stood out. You wouldn't think something's wacky with that. You would just think it's a good-sounding guitar. And what you might think is, hey, that sounds better than normal, or hey, that has a nice characteristic that I don't want right here. But you're not going to think, oh, that's an inferior sound. Right. I want something more organic. Right. That being said, I love my Strats, love my Les Pauls, love my Gretches to death. You know, they're all good. They're all flavors. It's like... It's like paint. It's literally like paint. I think about that with, with all categories. With drums, I don't have one snare drum. I've got lots of snare drums because you you don't know what the track is going to call for. We recorded a track the other day that we tried one snare and it sounded okay. It sounded okay. There wasn't anything wrong with it. You know, we did the track. It sounded great. Pulled out a different snare made out of a different material instead of wood. Ironically, it was metal. And all of a sudden, the track came to life. In my estimation, the track came to life. I was like, wow, there it is. And all we changed was, you know, kind of the metal to the wood. Right. And it was the same size. Yeah. You know, and obviously there were minor differences in that, and the heads might not have been identical materials, but essentially that's what we changed. And the track fit great, but the previous track we'd done, the wood one sounded great, and I wouldn't have wanted to change it for anything. So right. be open to that. Don't think we're not King Arthur. We don't have to pick one sword, call it Excalibur, and that's the only one we can use forever. You know, right. and we're not Brian May. We didn't make the guitar out of our mantelpiece with our dad, and that's the one we're going to play forever. We can mess around. We can try different guitars. We don't have to have a loyalty specifically to one material or one kind. That's yeah. all I'm saying. No, and I, I think that's a good kind of way to to wrap up. Is our prejudices, both as people and as guitar players, can keep us from growing and finding the really cool stuff out of life. Well, Grandpa found a way to wrap a moral into it. He kids. did. Old Grandpa Hawkins. <laughs> Apologize I, I, to my actual grandfather, who we call Grandpa Hawkins. Uh, but uh, you know, wrap it up for us, plenty, Grandpa. Plenty of people over the years have used these guitars in famous records that you would probably be surprised. Uh, you know, True. Jimmy Page is probably one of the most obvious ones. You know, using a uh, Dan Electro in the studio. So for all of you purists that are, uh, oh, if it's not Jimmy Page, I can't listen to it. He, too, he did. thought outside of the box. Obviously, using a bow, using effects. Both as a player and as a gear connoisseur. And in keeping with my mix it up and move around a little bit, his theory, his ethos, maybe the word of the day is ethos. Too many words. <laughs> his his modus operandi was... Oh. Uh, I never, he says, I never wanted to sound the same in any song, right? So if I did that guitar tone, then I'm done with that one, and i got to find a different one for the right. next one. I mean, it's really two schools of thought. You know, some people are looking for, you know, they're, they're Luke Skywalker, I can build my one lightsaber, right. and this is the one. And some people are like, hey, man, I, I'm willing to try a lot of different stuff and evolve. Eric Clapton, we think of him as Mr. Strat. He used to be Mr. SG. Mm -hmm. He used to be Mr. 335. Right. And he used to be Mr. Telecaster. So, you know. Well, everybody secretly just plays tellies. <laughs> you play tellies at home to practice, but they're too hard to play live, man. You go out live with the strat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole 
the whole idea, and I'm I'm totally the Luke Skywalker in that equation, both because that's definitely who I would prefer to be, uh, and because of the mentality. Like I want one thing that is my own, that is that is my identity as a musician through all the things that I do, so that you listen to something that I do and go, oh yeah, that's Trey. So you want the Brian May. Yeah, I whether it's you know the way that I'm playing. You're just the, waiting for a company to selection. provide that from an endorsement standpoint. This is your signature guitar. You yeah. get to you get to craft it, and then that's it. You're locked in, and that's yeah, it. That's that's the ultimate bucket list. I, I mean, you know, I could play arenas, or I could play, uh, you know, semi-crowded bars. Uh, but if I had my own thing that I felt like I was putting my own stamp on, I see. Uh, that would be interesting. The coolest. Interesting. Well, that sounds like a topic for next time. Yes. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for, for attending our uh, Gear and Gigs Love Fest. Uh, we love having you guys listen. Uh, please feel free to uh, email us Yes. Uh, at jet at gearandgigs.com. That's G-E-A-R-N-G-I-G-S dot com. Uh, in the meantime, I have been Jet Stone. And I've been Trey Hawkins. And we will catch you next time. Let's listen to a track featuring some of that Aristides magic. Here it is. <laughs>